Well, we're going to be in uh, Mark 16, verses 1 through 8, as I gather myself. <laughs> and uh, we did a short series, three parts, Death to Life. Two weeks ago, the death of Jesus. Last week, the burial of Jesus. And today, the resurrection of Jesus. And I thought I'd start with a true-false test. I'm going to get some. No, I'm kidding. Let's do a true-false test. And you just think about this for a minute. Is this true or false? Adults have so many blood vessels that if you laid them end to end, they would circle the Earth's equator more than two times. True or false? It's true. Some of you got it. You guessed. You just guessed. I know you did. All right. How about this one? Have you ever heard of Bangladesh? Bangladesh's population is greater than Russia's. True or false? That little country. It's true. 163 million to 144 million. And this one, you better think hard before you yell it out, all right? A chicken lived 18 months after its head was chopped off. True or false? True. Mike the Headless Chicken, fruit of Colorado, you can go there, there's a little statue of him, did not die when Lloyd Olson chopped off his head in 1945. So the family kept him around and dropped food and water directly into his esophagus. Gross, huh? Until Mike gave out after 18 months. It's true. It's true. You Google it and look online. You will see that little uh, iron or whatever it is statue of Mike the Headless Chicken. True, true, true. They're all true. And I want to tell you something. That's silly, but when Jesus resurrected from the dead, it proved that everything he was and is and will be is true. Don't fail that test, that true-false test. One question about Jesus, and it is true. When he resurrected from the dead, it confirmed everything he said and everything that he taught, and it was true. Today we rejoice, don't we? Some of y'all even got dressed up. Some of you look pretty good today. I'm telling you what. You cleaned up well. Today we rejoice in what? Easter eggs? No. Easter bunny? No. A nice outfit? No. A nice dinner? Not even that. Family time? That's great, but not even that. We rejoice today in the resurrection of Jesus. And there are so many reasons to do this today. But one of the reasons is found in Romans 4.25. You might want to jot that down in your sermon notes section. Listen to Romans 4.25. He was handed over to die because of our sins. And he was raised to life to make us right with God. That is such a personal reason for me and to me. What about you? I want you to think about that. There was an atheist who was asked, and this is, uh, these are going to be direct quotes. This atheist was asked, what is the bottom line of Christianity? This guy just observing Christians. And he responded, quote, easy, it is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he went on to say this, if the resurrection is true, then so are these things. Are you ready? Quoting an atheist, this is what he said. These things are true. There is a God. Jesus is that God. The Bible is true. Heaven and hell are real. And Jesus makes the difference whether you go to one or the other. And I would agree with that atheist wouldn't you? You see, Christianity stands or falls on the historical bodily resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And Scripture comments on that. 
Listen to 1 Corinthians 15, 17. And if Christ had not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. That's a big if, isn't it? Something for us to ponder. The idea is simple today. It's in Scripture. He is risen. He is resurrected. He is not here. We'll look at that today. Let's read Mark 16, 1 through 8. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, brought spices, bought spices, excuse me, so they could go and anoint him. Very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, they went to the tomb at sunrise. They were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb for us? And looking up, they observed that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a long white robe sitting on the right side. They were amazed and alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he told them. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has been resurrected. He is not here. See the place where they put him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you to Galilee and you will see him there just as he told you. And in verse 8, so they went out and started running from the tomb because trembling and astonishment overwhelmed them. And they said nothing to anyone since they were afraid. Would you join me in prayer? God, I pray that your scripture would speak to us today. That we would realize you would place in our hearts the fact that your word is your revelation to us. The story, the rescue plan of salvation is right here for us to see. And God, I pray that we would respond appropriately in the name of Jesus, I pray, amen. So we're going to look at just a few things today, four things today about Worthy. We started the service off this morning. Wasn't that a great new song? Worthy, I don't even know, what's the name of it? Worthy is the Lamb? Just Worthy? Well, that was an easy title to come up with. I couldn't have written the song, but I could have done the title. Wow, yes, Worthy, Worthy, Worthy. And what we're going to see in verses 1 and 2 to start off with is that Jesus is worthy. He's worthy of devotion. Worthy of devotion. Look at verses 1 and 2 again. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so they could go and anoint him. Very early in the morning on the first day of the week, they went to the tomb at sunrise. So Jesus is worthy of devotion and our devotion. The Sabbath, let's pick up the story from last week. Uh, we finished with Friday evening. The Sabbath began. Remember, Jewish days ran from sundown to sundown. So think 6 p.m. Friday to 6 p.m. Saturday. So we pick it up. The, Saturday, the Sabbath has ended on Saturday at sundown, and it allows time for the women to go out and buy spices and oil. And if you don't understand that, it's true. It's different than here in America. But a lot of places you go overseas to, they will be open, and they will even eat late, and they'll do all these kind of thing. So it was normal for everything to open back up after the Sabbath, and it's a late night, and they go and they buy spices and oil. And in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, four women are listed. Perhaps there were more. We don't know. But Mark here mentions three. And they journey from Bethany. It's just a short two miles to the east. Come on over down the valley, and you come up, and there you are in Jerusalem. And they arrive at the tomb just after sunrise. Literally, in the biblical language, it says this, after the sun having risen. That's not great English, but okay, you get the idea? 
it's happened. And I want you to see two things. When you think about devotion, I want to see you to see, number one, that devotion is costly. It says in verse 1, they bought spices. You see, these women wanted to adequately anoint Jesus' body since he had been buried in a hurry. You'll remember that part of the story. They had to get it done before the Sabbath began. But they also wanted to do this as a reverential act. These ladies are devoted to Jesus. They're followers in the way. They're followers of Christ. And it was costly. To go and buy that, it was costly. It cost them fi financially, and it cost them time-wise. Devotion also can be marked by being committed. That's the second thing I want you to see in verse number two. They went. They went. Well, you say, that's not much of a word. Went. Of course. That's, that's easy, but think about it. Two of these ladies... Or these ladies, two of them had three of them, excuse me, had witnessed the crucifixion, but two even the burial. They were eyewitnesses. And now, who is present? Sunday morning, they are present at the tomb early in the morning. Nobody else is there. They were early and they were eager. Early and eager. So Jesus is worthy of devotion. And, and right in the, the, little, the little story right here, just these few verses, we see right away the devotion. Secondly, we see that Jesus is worthy of discussion and discovery. Verse 3, they're having a big problem. There's a massive stone. Do you remember this story? A massive stone had been rolled down and placed in front of the tomb. It's estimated to be one and a half to two tons. I think it's at least two tons. How, how can someone know that? Because they can uh, calculate, and people smarter than me have, the opening of the tomb would require a certain size rock, and that's how heavy it would be. Picture that for a minute. They have a problem. They know two of them were there for the burial. There's a big rock in the way. How are they going to be able to anoint Jesus with these spices and oil. And they ask the question, well, how can we gain access? Look at verse 3. They were saying to one another, who will roll away the tomb for us? Now, saying in the biblical language is an imperfect verb. You're saying, I don't want to know that. Well, you need to know that because it means they kept on saying. They kept on saying. It was quite a discussion they were having amongst themselves. Yet what I see is that this obstacle of stone did not stop them. Did you catch that? They're there. They came. They knew they had a big problem, this two-ton rock, but it did not stop them. They even discussed it and discussed it and discussed it on the way, but they're there. It does not stop them. No excuses. You see, they had faith to be present. Anybody else there? Uh-uh. They're there. And then we see verse 4. I call this the solution to their problem. It comes quickly. Looking up, they observed that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. They approached with their eyes down. You can picture it. It's dark, and they're making the trek, okay? What would you do? I would have my head down because at my age, I don't want to trip and fall, right? 
and have to go see my son, who's an orthopedic surgeon. I don't have to do that, right? So they're, they're getting there, and perhaps they're even in reverence, and the son, the son having risen has just come up, and here they arrive, and they look up, and they discovered something. They discovered God's solution to their discussion. The large stone had been rolled away. Now let's talk about that for a minute. If you go back to chapter 15, verse 46, look at that for a minute. 1546, after he bought some fine linen, he took him down and wrapped him in the linen, and then look what happened. Then he placed him in a tomb, cut out of the rock, and rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. That word means to block against. But then now, here we are in verse 4, and we see the word rolled back. That word, that's what it means, to roll back. A different word. The words of Scripture are very clear. There is no secret conspiracy, a swoon theory, or they stole it. No, the word clearly says it was rolled there, and then it was rolled back out of the way. He is worthy of discussion and discovery. Number three, Jesus is worthy of wonder. Let's camp here for a little while. Think about wonder. Have you ever been in wonder and awe of anything? Anybody? Ever been in wonder and awe? I was walking a few laps in our neighborhood, and there was the mountain. And you know the sun doesn't just stay, you know, it moves up in the sky. And it was just right to where Sandia, is that Sandia Peak and the tram and all that? And then you know how it comes down just a little and over? At least from where we live, it came, the rays were shooting there, and it actually came up right there. I just stopped in wonder for a second. I thought, wow. Maybe you've been in wonder of a baby being born. Anybody? Some of you ladies are looking like, at me like, no way. That was painful. <laughs> Once that was over, though, right? Wonder. But, but picture what it would be like to be in wonderment of things. And in verse 5, we see something amazingly. When they entered the tomb, some things happened. And they were amazed. They were amazed at God's solution. It's a strong compound word. It means, when Scripture here says they were amazed, it means they were dumbfounded. They were overwhelmed. They were stunned. They were in the grip of wonder and awe. Can you picture it? I can't hardly picture it, what it would have been like. And there is the, according to verse 5, the angel of the Lord, and he's present, and he's wearing a white robe. Now Luke's gospel and John's gospels inform us that two angels were present. Have you read those gospels? It's the number of a valid witness. That's what was required then. Matthew's gospel gives even more information. Let me read to you Matthew 28, verses 2 through 4. Suddenly there was a violent earthquake because an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and approached the tomb. And he, he rolled back the stone and was sitting on it. His appearance was like lightning and his robe was as white as snow and the guards were so shaken from fear. Do you remember what happened? That they became like dead men. Now, there may be a skeptic or two in the room today or maybe online. Uh, maybe you're a mathematician and you figured out, wait, one, two, how does that work? Don't be confused by the number of angels. In Matthew's account and Mark's account, they are focusing on the spokesman or spokesperson or spokesangel, if you will. 
who converse with the women. So they're amazed, overwhelmed, flabbergasted. And then we get to verse 6. And the word I use here is empty, exclamation point. Picture it. Let me read it for you again. This is what the angel says. Don't be alarmed, for you are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has been resurrected, resurrected, exclamation point. He is not here, exclamation point. See, see the place where they put him. Continuing this narrative, the angel makes what I believe is the most powerful announcement in the history of the world. What about you? He has risen. He is not here. That's the most powerful statement, I think, in the history of this world, this planet. And as angels do, he starts out by reassuring the women. He says, don't be alarmed. I'd have said, well, I am alarmed, buddy. I am alarmed. And then he says, Jesus is resurrected. What does that mean? The angel verifies that Jesus had indeed been crucified, but he is now indeed alive. The absence of the corpse needs an explanation. So he goes further, and the angel says to these ladies, it, it blows my mind, an angel speaking to me, that would be amazing. He is not here. Furthermore, the angel states the fact that Jesus has been restored to life. In fact, he is gone from the tomb. Let me stop for a minute. I want you to listen closely. It is this fact right here that separates Christianity, that makes Christianity different from any other world religion. The rest of them are in their graves. What do you mean, Lamar? There are shrines. People go where? They go to worship in these other faiths to the shrine to the grave, the place where this Buddha or Confucius or you fill in the blank has been laid. Not so with Jesus. You can go to Israel today and you will find that there is a tomb, there is no stone in front of it, and it is empty. There is no shrine to go to where there is a grave. Think about that for a minute. And then he finishes by saying, look in this verse. He says, take a look, look, see, see the place where they put him. The evidence is undeniable. The tomb is empty. And what's interesting, the women came with an assignment that they had for themselves, right? They were going to use the spices and oil. Now, all of a sudden, they have a new assignment. Do you catch it? Think about it for a minute. There's no longer a need to anoint a dead body because there's no body there. I love the way um, Greek scholar Kenneth West provides us with the remarkable literal words. Here's how he interprets literally the Greek New Testament here. Listen. And he says to them, stop being utterly amazed. Jesus you are seeking, the Jesus of Nazareth, the crucified. He was raised. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. It is the ultimate supernatural mic drop. I should have had a mic up here, but David wouldn't be happy if I ruined the microphone, right? Think about that. How remarkable that is, these statements that are being made. And then we get to verse 7, and we see the command, go. Verse 7, but go. You've seen all this, you've heard all this, but go 
tell Jesus' disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you. It is now time to do something different. Think about it. For the first time ever, it's time for someone, for people to start proclaiming the good news of the risen Savior and Lord who has left the tomb. Have you thought about that ever? That's the moment where someone could start proclaiming, not that he would, not that he prophesied, but he has. Let me tell you about my Jesus. He is alive. He has risen. He has conquered death, sin, the grave, the devil, all of it. Oh, that we could have been there, that we might have the fervor, more fervor to do that with our world today. Let us, let it be fresh, God, to us again today of what it must have been like to get that assignment. And the angel instructs them to begin with who? To begin with those chumps. Did I say chumps? Can you say that in a sermon? To begin with those guys who had abandoned and denied Jesus. Did you notice that? I would have been saying, look, disciples, you had your chance. You missed it. You couldn't get it through your school. He spent three years with you, and you could not get it. But no, that's not what happens. There's a great word of grace here, of forgiveness, of hope, and promise. Maybe you need those things today. Maybe you need grace today. Maybe you need forgiveness today. Maybe you need some hope in this crazy world we're in today. Maybe you need a promise from God. Well, it's here, and the angel gives it and gives them the command. And I think Peter would be especially grateful for this word, don't you? His, his, his name is mentioned in verse 7. You see, God always keeps his promises. Mm. Look at it. Just as he told you. It's true. It's true. And Jesus prophesied this back in Mark 14. Turn back a couple chapters. Mark 14, verses 28 and 29. It says this. On the way, this is before all that has happened, Jesus told them, all of you will desert me. He knew. For the scriptures say, God will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to, guess what he prophesied? Galilee. And meet you there wow well let's look at the fourth point verse 8 so they went out and started running from the tomb because trembling and astonishment overwhelmed them and and they said nothing to anyone since they were afraid you see Jesus is worthy of not fellowship stay with me it's a real word I looked it up followship have you ever heard of that word followship Jesus is worthy of followship or of following him. We could say it that way. You see, none of this would be realized unless the women acted. They must act. They didn't sit in a circle, start a little campfire and sing, Kumbaya, my Lord. They didn't do that. They weren't struck with fear as if dead like soldiers. Hmm. They needed to act. They needed to follow the command. And they are depicted in Scripture here as running, as being overwhelmed, as being energized. 
In fact, in Matthew's gospel account, he says that they are shown to have great fear, but also, do you remember in Matthew's account, great joy. It's all there. And the scripture says they said no thing, nothing. It's a strong double negative in the Greek language. Picture it, for, if you will. Put yourself in their shoes. Can you imagine trying to process all that has happened in a very short time? Sometimes I just have to say to someone, i, I got to process that for a minute. Are you, any of you like me? It, it takes a minute to, to do that. I mean, we can react, but they picture as they're running. They are not speaking. They are processing. What, what has just happened? I came to anoint Jesus. Everything's gone. He's gone. And this angel gives us this command. Amazing. To process all that has happened in a very short amount of time, there is now no need to care for a corpse. Jesus is alive. Mark's gospel doesn't con comment on it. it ends, you see, verse 8 ends abruptly, doesn't it? But Luke's gospel does. Luke chapter 24, verses 9 and 10. Listen to Luke 24, 9 and 10. It's talking about these women. Returning from the tomb, they reported all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them were telling the apostles these things. They didn't stay silent for long, did they? I'm going to close in this way today. It's kind of a long closing, so don't get excited. You're not getting to go yet, all right? If you'll notice in your sermon notes, we gave you some things there at the bottom that we want to comment on. But I want to ask you a simple question today. Would you look at me with your good eye today? Let me ask you this question. Who is the resurrection of Jesus for? I know that's poor English, but who is the resurrection of Jesus for? I have talked with countless people that say, oh, that religion stuff is not for me. That's for my wife. Or, yeah, that was for my grandfather. That was for my cousin, my friend. But I want to ask you, not the person sitting on your right or on your left, who is the resurrection of Jesus for? I'm going to give you five things real quick, and I want you to think about this. The resurrection is for those who feel forgotten. You see, if I would have been there, I would have been asking questions. Would you? I, I, I like to ask questions. I would have been saying, hey, where is God? Why did God do something about this crucifixion? Why did he allow Jesus to go through it? Why did God forget about Jesus? This is horrible. Not the case. God had not forgotten. God was at work. And what looked like disaster and defeat on that Friday became victory on that Sunday. You feel forgotten? God does not forget. God does not forget. Even when he placed the sins of the world for all time, your sins and my sin on Jesus, it didn't remain that way. Jesus was resurrected. Secondly, the res resurrection is for those who have failed. 
Now, I want you to think about that for a minute. A lot of people say, Pastor, you just don't know what I've done. You don't know how I've failed. Listen, that is a poor excuse not to come to Jesus. Why did the angel, in his direct commands, mention the name Peter? Have you thought about that? We know what Peter did. What did Peter do? He denied this Apostle of all the apostles denied Jesus three times, and we know even uh, he, he, he denied he even knew him. He denied he was a follower of Jesus. He even swore the last time. I mean, man, of all people who had failed, Peter failed. Yet the message through the angel told Peter that even though he had abandoned Jesus, even though he had denied Jesus, Jesus had not abandoned Peter. And you need to hear that today. If you feel like you've failed, Jesus does not abandon you. Don't abandon him. Don't let failure keep you from Jesus. My goodness, the abundant life right now on earth, eternity with God, don't put that and let that hang in the balance because of something you have done. Jesus forgives. He does not abandon. Number three, the resurrection is for those who need a purpose. Do you remember that talk about, hey, go and tell them I'm coming to meet you in Galilee. Jesus did just that. Scripture tells us that Jesus did go to Galilee and he did meet his followers, his disciples, and he gave them marching orders and purpose. I want you to think about that. Where did the marching orders, where did the purpose for their lives come from? It came from Jesus meeting them in Galilee. Listen to Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. It happened in Galilee. It happened just as this as Jesus said it would happen, and it is purpose. Do you see that purpose? Have you ever wondered why the guys who denied Jesus, who abandoned Jesus while he was on the cross when he was there, remember it was Joseph and Nicodemus that took care of Jesus. It wasn't one of the 12 or two of the 12 or 12 of the 12. Have you ever thought about that? And then after the resurrection and they see the risen Savior, they become flaming evangelists, even killed because of their evangelization, their testimony about Jesus. Read the stories in the book of Acts and read each one of those testimonies and sermons, evangelism sermons that these guys are giving. Every one of them are about the risen Savior, every one of them. You see, we are sent. We have purpose. Our lives are our mission for God's kingdom. Listen, you may have no purpose today. You need Jesus. Jesus will give you purpose and meaning in your life. Number four, the resurrection is for those who need hope. The resurrection of Jesus Christ brings hope to people. See if this resonates with you. It does with me. The person who knows he is stranded in sin needs hope. The person who knows he is broken due to sin needs hope. The person who is trapped by sin needs hope. 
And I'm here to proclaim today with Scripture that Jesus is the only hope of rescue. God's rescue plan is a plan A. There is no plan B. When Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except by me, he meant it. And it's in Scripture. And it's there. There's no other way. Do you need hope today? Boy, we run into people all the time. And I would tell you this, don't let your hopelessness keep you from Jesus. Number five, the resurrection is for those who need new life. I'm always reminded of John chapter 3, Nicodemus. You remember him? He came secretly to Jesus at night. You just thought you knew where Nick at night came from. That's not Nickelodeon, okay? The original Nick at night was Nicodemus. Someone got it, thank you. Yeah, appreciate that. Yeah, I'm going to pay you right now for that. All right. And Jesus said that he doesn't get it. I mean, he's a religious guy. You must be born again. Well, how can I go back into my mama's womb? It's not what we're talking about. You've already been born of water. You need to be born again. You see, that's another way of saying new life. And we know as we move down in John chapter 3... We see the rescue plan that's given. Let me say it. I, there's two groups of people to, here today. That's it. Look around. You're going, there's more than two groups. There's the, the ugly guy right over there sitting by me. And there's that cute little girl in her Easter dress right over there. And that, that guy's tall and he's short. No, there's only two groups of people here today. Those who need new life and those who have new life. Hear me. I am not talking about being a Baptist. I'm not talking about being a member of Hoppentown Church. I'm not talking about living in America. I'm not talking about anything. But you have new life or you don't. And Jesus is the only way. Listen, let me talk to you, those of you that have new life. If you already have a relationship with Jesus as your Savior and Lord, I want to ask, I want to plead with you one thing. Would you let Easter impact you all year? Think about it. We are so good at the Easter impact, what, on Easter, right? Some of y'all look different today. It's great. I'm happy. Some of you are going to have a family dinner. Great. I'm happy. Some of you are here. Maybe you hadn't been here in a while. Great. I'm happy. But Easter should impact believers every day of the year. See, that prompts me to want to tell people about the rescue plan every day of the year. My friend David Manor has a way with words. Listen to how he stated it. This is for you Christians. Remembering the resurrection only on Easter is like remembering your marriage only on your anniversary. Boom. I didn't say it. David said it. He lives in Kansas. You go talk to him. But doesn't that, that makes sense to me. Doesn't that make sense to you? Well, let me talk to those who need new life. What if you need new life today? Scripture tells us that today is the day of salvation. People have already been saved. They've received new life today. They will receive it now. They will receive it in hours to come. As you go around the world and all the different time zones, it's happening. 
I've already read reports of people being saved today in time zones different than ours. What about you today, new life? Let me tell you something. The death of Jesus, check. The burial of Jesus, check. Okay, you know what that does? Stay with me, I'm not being heretical. That made Jesus dead. Could I not die for you? Check. Could two of you not bury me? Check. What does that make me? Dead. What does that do for you? New life? No. You see, it, 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 I, I could do it. The key is the resurrection. Death, burial. But the check that's needed for new life is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Listen, you can't search for anything else. You can't go anywhere else or to any other person. Don't rely on mama or daddy getting you into heaven. It's between you and the Lord. Listen to scripture. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Did you catch that? Let me give you a big biblical word for all. Are you ready? All. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23. And the wages, the penalties of sin is death. Spiritual death. Separation for eternity from God and all his goodness. But that verse says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And we mentioned John 3 and Nicodemus earlier when we move down to verse 16. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And let me read to you 1 John chapter 5, 11 and 12. Maybe you haven't heard this for a while. Here's what it says, 1 John 5, 11 and 12. And this is what God has testified. He has given us new life. Excuse me. He has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have God's Son does not have life. You see, it is Jesus' payment for your sin. It is relationship with him. Today is your day of new life. Today is your day of salvation. Now, there's a lot of e evidence uh, Dr. David Jeremiah talks about all the different evidence. If you're a skeptic, listen. Take a look at the soldiers. They're not there. Take a look at the Roman seal that was put on the grave. It's been broken. It's not there. Take a look at the stone that's been rolled away. We've already commented on that. Take a look at the sepulcher, the empty tomb. Take a look at the shroud, the burial cloth of Jesus and the face mask, if you will. It's as if it was a cocoon and the butterfly left and it was still shaped like that evidence take a look uh, many days later when Thomas one of the uh, disciples doubted and Jesus said here I am touch the scars put your hand in my side more evidence and it's the sightings Scripture talks about Jesus appearing here and here and here. And Paul even says to the Corinth church that one time Jesus appeared as a risen Savior and Lord to over 500 people at one time. The evidence is there. My question is, what will you do about new life? 
Will you remain skeptical or will you run to Jesus? Matthew chapter 28, verse 9. Here's another commentary on that morning, that day. Just then Jesus met them, those ladies, and said, Good morning. They came up, took hold of his feet, and worshipped him. Did you catch that? Jesus met them. Listen, Jesus is ready to meet you today, right here in your circumstance where you are. Let's pray. God, speak to our hearts today. I pray this will not just be a holiday, but that people will receive new life today. They will follow you as Savior. God, we ask that you would work in lives today. That the seed of salvation, the seed of the rescue plan would be planted in our hearts today, God. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Who is risen, Jesus. Amen.